Welcome to the Atticus Report. As we travel the world in search of music that's good for something. I'm Rick Busby. And I'm Stephen Doster. In this episode of the Atticus Report, we continue our journey through Canada in search of music that's good for something. Later on in the show, we'll have part two of our interview with Nova Scotia songwriter Lisa Burt. And then at the end of the show, Stephen and I are going to make another selection for the Music That's Good for Something Hall of Fame. We have a great show planned for you. We're glad you're with us. So stick around, enjoy the musical break from Arcade Fire, and we'll be right back. So I'm your host, Rick Busby, here with my co-host, Stephen Doster, and we've been talking about music that's good for something all the way north of the American border from Canada. That's Arcade Fire there, Modern Man from their Suburbs album. Yep. Stephen, you've been uh, you've been kind of a fan of Arcade Fire, and you've been talking about them for a couple of days now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Well, they're great. Uh, they came out of Montreal, Quebec. And uh, their third record, The Suburbs, was uh, won a lot of awards, uh, all kinds of different awards, uh, not the least of which was the 2011 Grammy for Album of the Year. And uh, since then, uh, their fourth album, Reflector, has come out. And uh, they're a wonderful band. They're led by Wynn Butler and his wife, Regine Chassain, I hope I'm saying her name right, and his brother, uh, Will Butler. And... Uh, I believe they have some connection to where we are right now. That's correct. Uh, it's my understanding that Wynn and Will, the Butler brothers, that they went lived in the Woodlands, which is just north of Houston, probably about you know, an hour and a half from where we are right now. And yeah. I, I think they went to high school there and maybe even graduated before they relocated to Canada, Canada. and formed Arcade Fire. Yeah. Another of the really great bands from artists that we're not going to have a whole lot of time to drill down deep on here in this episode, Stephen. And I want to name check a few other artists from Canada that really made some major contributions to music. The Cowboy Junkies. Yes. I want to name check them. I, like many of us, first became aware of them all the way back in the beginning on the Trinity Sessions. Mm-hmm. Very fine album. Wonderful recording process. Recorded in an old church with just some ambient mic, sort mm-hmm. of old school style. Their version of the Velvet Underground's Sweet Jane was probably the first thing that captured my attention and probably many, many people as well. But I tell you, I know it's a great, great record. Michael Timmons has really grown into an outstanding songwriter. And Margot Timmons has one of the very, very best voices in pop music. One of my very favorite tracks of theirs was one that came out in the late 80s, excuse me, late 90s and around the Y2K era time was off their Lay It Down album. Yeah. song called Common Disaster, and I would have to say out of their entire body of work, that particular song really, really grabs me every time I hear it. Even today, it's, just, it's an exciting song. I'm with you all the way.
know, Stephen, there's a great musical legacy from Canada. And as I've been researching this show, the names that we've been name-checking throughout here have mostly come through us to the pop, rock, and even folk genres. But I want to take a moment here to acknowledge some real masters in the classical era area and also in the jazz area that originate from Canada. In the classical area, Glenn Gould. I don't know if you know Glenn Gould's work. He's a <laughs> classical pianist, really, really interesting fellow. There's a wonderful documentary film. I think it's called 32 Short Films about Glenn Gould. Highly recommended to see. Right. Give you a glimpse of a, like to see I mean, a musical genius at work. This guy was a genius on a lot of different levels, and, and his reputation as a classical pianist is just impeccable. I mean, he's recorded <laughs> the entire classical canon. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, strange fella, a little bit strange. <laughs> You'll get a sense of that in that that documentary, but it's a really, really good insight into a, a, a creative artistic genius, and there's no other, there's no two ways about it with him. From the jazz field, we've got some names like Maynard Ferguson mm -hmm. from Canada, Paul Blay from Canada, Gil Evans, the wonderful arranger and orchestrator who sort of revolutionized music uh, at a certain period there, along with Miles Davis, mm -hmm. with albums like Sketches of Spain and Porgy and Bess, just wonderful, yep. wonderful work. And also one of my very favorite jazz artist, Miss Elvis Costello, Diana Krall. The girl in the other room, she knows by now there's something in all of her fears. Now she wears a threadbare, she sits on the floor, the glass pressed tight to the wall. She hears murmurs low, the paper is peeling, her eyes staring straight at the ceiling. Maybe they're there, or maybe it's nothing at all, as she draws Lipstick smears on the wall The girl in the other room She powders her face And stares hard Into her reflection The lovely Diana Krall with the title track from her album, The Girl in the Other Room. One of the very fine artists from Canada. I'm your host, Rick Busby, here on the Atticus Report, and we're talking about the music of Canada, along with my co-host, Stephen Doster, and our very good friend, Lisa Burt, songwriter from Nova Scotia. You know, we've been talking about a lot of folks at this point in time. And when I begin to think about the very first artists that I could think of, that actually I was aware they came from Canada, I would have to say, the guess who? Even before Neil Young and Joni Mitchell had entered my consciousness in terms of like, okay, that's who those people are. 
it was the guess who and Burton mm-hmm. Cummings like even as a kid he was He's always one of my, one of my favorite singers I have this great story about my my brother was running a karaoke event on an ongoing basis for a while and I was came in from out of town one night and was just there in town for the night and he saw me coming he goes hey man I got you uh, in the queue up here to come sing a song and everything I got you down for these eyes and I'm like I'm not singing these eyes he's like why not man it's a great song I said I know it's a great song I said I'm not singing these eyes he's like why not I said I said because the secret to success at karaoke is choosing your songs wisely and I'm gonna get in the middle of that song and I'm gonna embarrass myself because I can't sing like Burton Cummings I can't I can't do it so the night goes on he like I get sit over with some other friends and have a beer and later on the song comes up in the queue and Ray didn't take it out of the queue so he decides he's gonna sing these eyes and he Gets in about, you know, not very far into the song when he realized why I wasn't going to <laughs> sing that song that night. Yeah. <laughs> he came up to me later and goes, You were right, man. <laughs> incredible singer and he was a big influence on me early on it's like he's one of those people that when you try to sing like as i was growing up i was growing up as a singer so guitar players are practicing licks Mm -hmm. i'm practicing singing like the people that were the hits on the radio no matter what genre they were coming from i was trying to sing like those people and like a guitar player learning licks and so if i couldn't if i couldn't sing if i couldn't get close to doing you know what they were doing i would have to not do it in public yeah i would practice it in private but i wouldn't do it in public <laughs> yeah it's, it's tough it, uh, bachman turner overdrive uh, uh you know the, from from the guess who randy bachman they had a lot of hits they were they were they were you know they still tour all the time oh I, like randy bachman's been touring uh, i've seen burton cummings two years ago in moncton new brunswick uh moncton puts on a, a huge That's- major uh concert venue there um the Rolling Stones were there a couple of years ago. ACDC was there last year. So it's a, it's a big, like, uh, 50, 60, 80,000 uh, people uh, venue. So we bring in... 80,000? Yeah. That's a lot of people. That was the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen was there about three, four years ago. I got to see him. He's one of my idols. Um, but... Uh, He's from Canada, isn't he? Yeah, the boss, <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> I'm sure they could like to claim him. Yeah. <laughs> But Burton Cummings, uh, you know, like those guys, they, they work really hard. They're still popular. I have him in my CD rotation for sure. And his voice blows me away. He's, yeah, definitely voice. influence. He was uh, also with uh, Ringo Stars All-Stars for a while. I don't know if he's still doing that when they ever, they do their things, but I thought that was a great choice. Whenever and, and While you were talking about him, I was thinking of American Woman. You know? Oh, I know. And, uh, and probably... Few people, when they heard it, realized the guy singing it wasn't 
An American. An American, right. <laughs> yeah, and that, that might be actually the time that it came into my awareness yeah. was around that yeah. American Woman album because I remember being in seventh grade yeah. buying that with my Wise allowance man. money, that, that album, and, and having that album. I was a big fan of that album, that new Mother Nature song that's tagged on the No Sugar and Night. It's like, yeah, love that stuff. What part of Canada do you, do you know? Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They knew uh, Neil Young, I think. They were friends back they were kids. I know uh, Randy Bachman was, knew, knew Neil from that time. Mm-hmm. He went off and uh, came to the United States and was in a band with, uh, uh, who's the guy? That, uh, I don't know, whatever they call the Minor Birds. Um but um, before he went out to California and started Buffalo Springfield, but it's well, it was a, the black singer Rick. Um, I can't remember what he was a, one of one of the disco funk guys. Rick, Rick James? James, yeah, Rick James. Rick James, yeah, he was in a band with Rick James. Is that right? No yeah, way. glad we found that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that was one of his first groups. You're saying Neil Young and Rick, and Rick James, James were in a band band their first band together, just about when he came. Now I've learned something from the now, action now I, I'm not sure if that was a Minor Birds or, or if it was another group, uh, but they were definitely in a band together. That's some. Yeah, we'll have to do that's some, some trivia checking. night. Yeah, uh, we'll have to do some fact checking on the break. Right yeah. now, we're going to take a musical break. You're with us on the Atticus Report with co-host Stephen Doster and our good friend Lisa Burt talking about the music of Canada. We'll be right back after the musical break. That's the Minor Birds with one of the great lost Motown songs, It's My Time. Welcome back to the Atticus Report. I'm your host, Rick Busby, here with my co-host, Stephen Doster, and our good friend, Lisa Burt from Nova Scotia, songwriter. We did a little fact-checking during the musical break, and it was indeed true that Neil Young was in a band with Rick James and also Bruce Palmer as well, who yeah, later also Muffalo joined Springfield. Buffalo Springfield. The uh, Minor Birds. Minor Birds, I was right. So um, Stephen wins the trivial pursuit for the day. He does. Exactly. Also on the break, we found out that uh, Stephen and Lisa had something in common. Uh, a show, is this, does this show originate from Canada? Is oh, yeah, they're Canadians. It's uh, the Trailer Park Boys. And, and if you have never seen the Trailer Park Boys, and they, they had a, a 
this is our segue into Rush because uh, sometimes the guitar player from Rush will be on their show with them. And you were saying one of them is actually quite a good, great yeah, guitar player. Bubbles, Bubbles slash Mike Smith. Yeah. He's a excellent, excellent musician. And uh, yeah, so if you've seen that episode of, of when Rush showed up yeah. and uh, Bub's got to play guitar, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really him. Like, yeah. So <laughs> Rush showed up in an episode of the Trailer Park? Yeah, yeah because they're very beloved in, in Canada. And for those of you that haven't seen the show, I got turned on it by my son. And it's about these guys that get stoned all the time and stay stoned and drunk all the time and live in a trailer park. And it, and it's gone on for nine years. It's kind of like a one-joke thing. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, I was just watching some of it during the break, and my <laughs> eyes are still wet from... I just die when I see him. It's, it's, it's funny because uh, that is filmed in Truro, Nova Scotia, uh, in a trailer park that's down there, which um, <laughs> abuts a field, a, a racetrack, and in the summertime... We so have, Nova Scotia has trailer parks as well, so, right? Oh, yes, yes, we do, <laughs> yes. I, I don't know if there's a, a new politically correct name, but I'll call it the trailer park. And uh, so it, it abuts this field slash racetrack arena uh, convention center type of thing, which we hold our annual Dutch Mason Blues Festival. And we have acts coming from, uh, again, America, like uh, James Cotton, yeah. you know, all those old guys. Bonnie Raitt was there last year. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and Dutch Mason was actually uh, an amazing blues player from from Truro, Nova Scotia. And uh, we called him the Prime Minister of Blues. So he was a, an award-winning man. He passed away probably about 10 years ago. But his son, Garrett Mason, is uh, holding the torch for him because this is one of the best blues guitarist, singer, songwriters that I've heard in a long time. Great. Like, yeah, he's amazing. And he's toured all around as well. Shout out. I love him. He's great. I think it took uh, British blues musicians to make all uh, people like me, white guys from Texas, you know, discover blues. I, I certainly uh, was surprised when I found out that uh, note for note solos by Cream, by Eric Clapton, were, you know, came from from blues artist That's right. Albert King or somebody. And uh, but the. Uh, so that sounds like a fun festival, too. Yeah, it's a really fun festival. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's been probably, gosh, going on, I would say, 16 to 18 years now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, people look forward to it. We have, we have uh, the Camp Shore Acoustic Festival draws people from around the world, um, you know, the, all summer long from you know the time winter is over we do have a, a dead in a, the dead of winter festival <laughs> oh is that right, up, right? so so what is, so what is the dead of winter like where uh, the are? dead of the dead of winter um 
they showcase a lot of uh, people from the Atlantic provinces. You have to apply to to be in it, and you get chosen. Uh, um, it's alternative. Uh, you know, anything goes, and and it's kind of in a few venues downtown Halifax. You know, and you go, and it's dark, and it's cold, and you go in, and you know, you see some beautiful music, just just to break up that winter monotony. Right. Yeah. Right. So we have some some great artists that play there as well. And uh, as soon as you know, um, April comes. Boom! Festivals right until November. Really, yeah. April through the end of the, so the season. That's, 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 that's the, the season. run. So. Every weekend. Every so is it, it? So you've been in Austin a few times now. Mm-hmm. Is it that? Is is it equivalent in terms of its activity, its energy? Like, how does that feel? How well, do the two there's a lot feel? more people here in Texas than there is in Nova Scotia. So. Uh, so what? So what? So give us a, give us a sense of what the population is in and around that Halifax center. Like that, that's got to be one of the larger spots. It's, it yeah, might. it's the largest center. Um, I'm going to guess we're around 200,000 people. Wow. Yeah. That's like Austin in the 60s or 70s right, or something, right? Right, right, you know. The good old days. The 60s, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, it's a great music scene downtown Halifax. Uh saying earlier, live music, wherever you want to go, there's uh, venues, you know, you can leave one, walk four steps, go into the next one, and there'll be live music. So this, the scene is, is happening. You know, we were talking about the blues, mm-hmm. and we've got this... You know, where, where we're recording tonight is in this cradle of Cajuns and so forth in this area through, through Louisiana. And I don't know if you knew this, I was kind of placing things in reference while I go with George Jones and Freddie Fender. You should also know that about less than 30 minutes away from here is where Janis Joplin was from in Port Arthur and Johnny and Edgar Winter are from Beaumont here, just are like you know, 10 minutes from where we are right here. So this whole area has an incredible rich rich musical history of some you know serious yeah, people we're, in the we're pantheon surrounded by some some gods right now yeah. right of yeah. the music. And i think clarence gatemouth brown is also from this area is yeah, one of the one of the blues guys from, from this his song yeah. i got to work with him once did you really i played a show with him it was quite a quite an honor to get to be on the stage with him and uh, uh he came on stage and, and i was just uh Judging, he was an older man at the point, and I, I was a. I'd seen Lightning Hopkins a lot before he passed away, and he and he played. He, he didn't have all his uh, facilities uh, uh, toward the end. There, he drank a lot of whiskey out of a Miracle Whip jar, and uh, but the uh, still he still played great. But um, the difference was, uh, Gatemouth Brown got up there and just murdered it. And he could just play till he, I, I bet he played at a very high level until he passed away. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, I was telling you my Rush story yeah. earlier today. <laughs> Where that is, is about you know 15 minutes from that, that drag. I was, uh, we had met this guy from Canada one night on the drag in our town. I'm like a senior in high school. And my best friend had a Chevy Good Times van and we were at the, you know, the local pizza hut there at the end of the drag, and we met this guy from Canada, and hey, you know, befriended him, and he was cool, so hey, man, why don't you come riding around with us, and we'll you know, hang out with us tonight, so we get in the car back on the drag on the Chevy Good Time Band, and he pulls out this white eight-track with that pink Rush label for the, <laughs> for the debut thing, and said, hey, man, put this in the eight-track player, and you know, next thing you know, we're listening to Finding My Way and Working Man. Oh, yeah. And we were we were in, man. We were in so hard. We were Rush fans from like that very first night. It was like a golden memory for us. And I've followed Rush, you know, all these years. I have some friends who are absolutely fanatics 
mm-hmm. you know, about it. You know, had to see the, you know, the retirement tour and everything. I heard Neil Pert had retired here recently, and so there won't be really any more Rush shows. But I was so glad when they made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. I thought that was a big, sure. that was a that was a big deal. That was well deserved. Those guys are have worked their deal very professionally all those years, kept their head down, continued to. Yeah, and they're not only legends in Canada. But they're legends, you know, they're legends of the world, Yeah. right? Their music is universal Absolutely. for, you know, all these years. For great so, reasons, too, because because their, their music always made me think. Like, it was very provocative and even subversive in certain ways, but it made you question the reality that you were living in and growing through, and it gave you a way to see things in a different way that also kind of gave you hints at another way of thinking, another way of looking at another way out, that it doesn't, you don't have to, live at this level and you need to live in a conscious sense and understand what your values are and be and live according to principles and that's why like a lot of people scoff at that kind of thing because it doesn't feel like that gritty rock and roll thing but i'm telling you man it's where it rocks my soul right and it always it made has you felt something that's the whole point it made you felt something absolutely even if it was a dystopian future in like 2112 <laughs> it's it still was provocative in the way that it made me think about you know what it means to be a human being on this planet. And what is what does it mean to have rights or not have rights? And you know, those are very important questions. And if, if rock and roll is supposed to be subversive, then I, I can't think of anything more subversive than I listened to in my you know formative years. Maybe Neil Young songs and the protest songs. You know those are you know kind of call to action kinds of things to make you make a decision about mm-hmm. things. So I have to say, before we get out of here, we've gotten all the way through this program and there's two Canadian artists that I can't let this show go by without name checking you and talking about for a moment. One of them is Bruce Coburn, who we were talking about here just a little while ago. This guy, to me, I have a lot of records by a lot of people, you know, from Dylan and the Beatles, you know, on down to ZZ Top and in between and all kinds of jazz and everything. And if I was paring my collection down, my Bruce Coburn vinyl records that I've collected over the years are like prized.
jewels. Like I would almost give up almost <laughs> everybody before I would start getting into giving up my Bruce Coburn. Stephen, the thing I like about Bruce Coburn is um, he walks his talk. You know, this guy, is a, he's got this mystical approach to life. He's used his music and his art. Mm-hmm. He's involved himself in the world, educated himself on issues, mostly around, you know, social, political, civil injustice around the world. Has, has availed himself of, of these environments, put himself boots on the ground, and then turned that into art and speaking about issues and informing and educating and enlightening his audience along the way. I feel smarter, quite frankly, when I'm listening to Bruce Coburn music and everything. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd probably say the commercial sort of peak for him was in the early 80s with his album Stealing Fire. And that spawned two really, really great singles and probably one of my maybe top five favorite Bruce Coburn songs, Lovers in a Dangerous Time. You know, this album, Stealing Fire, a lot of it was the result of Bruce's visit to Nicaragua and so forth during the Sandinista era. Yeah. There was boots on the ground there during a lot of it, and a lot of these songs that are on this record are informed by his experiences there. And it's one of those records, you know, we've talked about Paul Simon's Graceland in the past, and it's a similar kind of thing to me to where here's an artist, boots on the ground in a foreign location that's in political and social turmoil. All kinds of things are going on. And they have this bird's eye view turned into art and then bring that to the world. And as I said before, you know, sort of educate and bring their audience along with these issues that are really, really important to them. And this is one of the qualities of Bruce Coburn's music that I really respect a whole lot because I feel like he's one of these artists that's really, he knows what his values are in a conscious, consciously held sense. And he does his best to walk his values in the world. And that's the kind of sort of highest ideal as I see it for an artist in this world. Well, for me, uh, the song, If I Had a Rocket Launcher, when I heard that, that was uh, moved me a lot. It was like the world's most angry anti-war song I'd ever heard. Here comes the helicopter Second time today Everybody scatters And hopes it goes away 
Fire, the track If I Had a Rocket Launcher. This song, Lovers in a Dangerous Time, and the rest of the album is populated with some other great songs as well. Highly recommended album. Stephen, I'm going to nominate this album, Bruce Coburn's Stealing Fire, for the music that's good for something Hall of Fame because of its sense of consciousness and social activism in the world. So I'm going to cast my vote. Will you join me with that? Can we add this one to the music that's good for something Hall of Fame? Thumbs up for me. Thumbs up. It's in there. We'll be right back with some discussion about Gordon Lightfoot. Stay tuned. In the early morning rain With a dollar in my head With a naked in my heart And when I was growing up in the 70s, in the I only heard the songs on the radio. The first one I ever heard was If You Could Read My Mind. And I was maybe 11 or 12 when I heard that. And I was instantly drawn to the song. And, and you're still and, hearing it today. And still hearing it today. And it's still rich. And it never wears out like some songs do. And then the, followed him through the hits. you know. But I never really dived into his albums until much later in my life. And once again, collecting vinyl in stores. And I would, oh, $1.99? Yeah, I'll take that home. I'll take a chance. Yeah, it's got you know, Carefree Highway on it. Or it's got this. And slowly I expanded my Gordon Lightfoot collection. And he and Bruce Coburn and Van Morrison, those three guys, when they when it comes up their turn in my listening rotation and I start playing a record by them, I'll spend days going through their catalog before I move on to some you know something else before right. I get bored with it. Whereas a lot of times on most days I'm listening to a whole range of things during the course of a day. But those three guys, for some reason, I pause and I go deeper with them before I move on. If you could read my mind, love. What a tale my thoughts could tell Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I I like uh, Bob Dylan's quote about Gordon Lightfoot is one of my favorites, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of, uh, well, when you listen to a Gordon Lightfoot song, you, you never want it to ever end. You know? <laughs> right. That's, that, that's a great quality. You that's want a great it to quality. keep going on exactly. and on. keep going on and on, and it does have that quality. It's very, his voice is so just very resonant. And just has this warm, welcome, comfortable vibe to it. It does. Uh, it, his it, his it voice has people. he has you know, he has authenticity as a narrator. We've been talking yeah. about the you know the you know the unreliable narrator or the reliable yeah. narrator in some of our discussions and everything. And he's one of those guys that like whatever he's singing, I absolutely believe it. Yeah, he's telling absolutely. a great story. I was also surprised recently to find out that he's quite an arranger, and that he. Uh, made his living for a while writing charts for other people that back then when you wrote a song, you had to have a, a lead sheet for it. 
and you couldn't just copyright it. Uh, you had to have uh, the music, and that's how he made his living writing charts for other people, uh, as well as his own songs. Yeah, because nobody could uh, read or write music. <laughs> so, so Lisa, when when you were growing up in Canada, what was what was your first Gordon Lightfoot memory? What was the first song that you became aware of? Probably, if you could read my mind, and uh, the wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald. Yeah, that was a huge definitely. One. Yeah, huge, like global. But you know, you would always find somebody's going going to sing that song somewhere. You know, if you're dropped by again, somebody's house. You know, it was it was a favorite. Oh, that was yeah, up you know, up in the the house concert things oh, that yeah. you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. the kitchen yeah. parties. That's part of the repertoire, for right? Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I got like what seven long verses. <laughs> oh man! Well, and again, like I said, the traditional uh, poetry and folklore that's been passed down throughout the years and years. You know, people have put that to music, and yeah, seven, ten, twelve verses. It's not really a long song in Nova Scotia. Yeah, <laughs> the party's just going to last a little it's starting longer. Right there, you go. It's a reason to keep one the party going. You want more, few more people in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no wonder Gordon wrote such long songs. Exactly. <laughs> Early morning rain was probably the first one I heard. Wonderful song, man. Wonderful songs. That's one of the ones I discovered much later. I, yeah. I, once I rediscovered it, so to speak, I had a vague memory of hearing it a long time ago, but I didn't connect it with Gordon Lightfoot until I think much it was later his on. First hit, and of course, uh, if you could read my mind, became humongous. Yeah, oh, it was just unbelievable. Still is. Yeah, still is. So, why don't we listen to a little bit of Gordon Lightfoot here for the musical break, and we'll be right back with you on the Atticus Report. We're here with Stephen Doster and Lisa Burt talking about the music of Canada. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With a crew and a captain well-seasoned Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms When they left fully loaded for Cleveland Then later that night when the ship's bell rang Could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? Tattletail sound and the wave broke over the railing. And every man knew as the captain did too. Twas the witch of love. And uh, as we spoke earlier, uh, Leonard Cohen and Johnny Mitchell, very provocative uh, writers. It made you think. It's like most of the time when I talk about songwriting, I. I I'll say, well, poetry and, and lyrics are different things. They're different tools. Uh, you have melody to go with the lyric, and and you might want people to understand what you're 
talking about that would be my joke is it's a poem if I don't know what it means and, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's a song lyric if it does but uh, Joni Mitchell was you know a person that you can arguably hear music is just as provocative on, on the written page as it is to listen to Suzanne takes you down her place near the river You can hear the boats go by You can spend the night beside her And you know that she's half crazy But that's why you want to be there And she feeds you tea and oranges That come all the way from China And just when you mean to tell her that you have no love to give her Then she gets you on her wavelength And she lets the river answer That you've always been her lover And you want to travel with her And you want to travel blind And you know that she will trust you for you've touched her perfect body with your mind. The key to his music opened up for me when I heard Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah. Mm. And I saw, wow, how did he get from here, to here, here to here? And that intrigued me. It made me listen back to the music with a, with a deeper eye and a more considerate eye and go, okay. You know, what's what's in play here? Because you can take this raw presentation right here, this the bare bones makes you look at the ideas that are there and then think about a different musical presentation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, for it. it. It changed the way I thought about music. KD Lang's version of Hallelujah is my favorite. There's she your has, there's your Canadian connection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it. she just knocks it out. I heard there was a secret chord. That David played and it pleased the Lord You don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall The major lift, the baffled king Composing hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Well, your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty and the moonlight. She does knock down the park, there's no doubt about it. She's been one of my favorites. Knocks everything out of the park. I was a big fan of her. Uh, was it, I think it was the Ingenue album. Was it that had, that had uh, Constant Craving? Uh, oh, yeah, that song just song. that that song. I could listen to that thing all day long yeah. for some reason. That it's song haunting. Me. It captivates you. The lyrics are beautiful. Her voice, you know, there's. It's just so smooth and draws She's you something in. else. Yeah, yeah, she really is. A few people that can sing a Roy Orbison song yeah. and get away with it. That's right. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm glad we got her in the conversation because I had 
forgotten about her, and I'm glad we got her in the conversation yeah, before we ran out of time because uh, she was a, uh, she is. I mean, she's a marvelous singer and 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 also another provocative artist in a certain way that made us look at things in a different way. You know, went against the grain, went against conventions, made us question those conventions. We could decide to land right back on the same side that we were always on, but mm-hmm. you know, her presence made us she got our attention at, at least at least examine. You know that before we moved on again that's a that's a wonderful quality for i mean true artists are going to have that quality they're going to provoke us to to think and, and live and respond in different ways i agree so lisa yeah i guess uh we're coming to the end of the show and i think you're you're out of this area and like you're leaving on saturday where are you headed off to oh, when you i leave have here? i have to go back to uh my hometown of halifax nova scotia and Look after my business for a little while, but I'm going to be back uh, sooner than later to finish up the uh, the project that I'm working on with uh, Monty McWilliams here at North Fork Studios. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, so I was just so pleased uh, after uh, being at the Austin Songwriter Songposium two weeks ago and having such a oh, wonderful time and and being inspired to uh, you know just be your whole self. And I got a great opportunity, like the song, I wrote a new song with a gentleman, Dave Wilcoxon. I think it's a great song. We got something and, you know, just just chilling with him. And he just passed me his guitar and he said, look, look, I got new frets. And, and I mm-hmm. picked it up and the song just came out. So, you know, that's, that's why I come here to be inspired. Uh, that's what I do, what I do every day but yeah i gotta go home look after the day job and i should be back here in march to to again just be just so inspired you well, know, good, by good. you guys good i'm glad I we got Texas. absolutely i'm glad we got the opportunity to connect like this before yeah, you went me off too. and we'll we'll look forward to your return i thank you so much rick and steven for uh um just this wonderful conversation and all the best to you guys and i'll see you soon thank you you've been listening to the atticus report I'm your host, Rick Busby, here with Stephen Doster, my co-host, and Lisa Burt. We've been talking about music that's good for something and the music of Canada. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Hang around. Right after the musical break, we're going to tell you about what's next on the Atticus Report. Stay with us. She lives down south where the river's age goes back to the Welcome back to the Atticus Report. You've been listening to Original Spirit by Bob Livingston, the mystical cosmic cowboy who's going to be our next guest on the Atticus Report. That show should be available for you in just a few weeks, so be on the lookout for that. We've had a really great time here sharing time with our good friend Lisa Burt, traveling throughout Canada and exploring the music of Canada. Stephen, we've gone down all kinds of roads here with the music of Canada. We've talked about all of our favorite artists, I think, from Canada. I don't think we left anybody out. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we leave Canada? Oh, it's just been inspiring, uh, wrapping my head around all these great musical icons that have been in my life for a long time. I feel really connected to Joni Mitchell and the band and Neil Young, 
Gordon Lightfoot. They're part of my life. They changed my life in a very positive way. So thank you, Canada. Thank you, Canada, indeed. I, I'm with you on changing my life. It's been a great influence and some of my favorite artists that I still listen to a lot today as a grown man I've been listening to for years and years and years and still continue to go to the well and still continue to be inspired. That's a, it's a rare quality. Thank you, Canada, for you know ages worth of good music. Thank you for listening to the Atticus Report. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate your support of the show by subscribing on iTunes or at our website, www.atticusreport.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Atticus Report. You can also keep up with the Atticus Report by following Atticus Records on Facebook. We would love it if you'd be willing to share the Atticus Report with your friends. And speaking of friends, we'd like to thank some of our friends for helping to make the Atticus Report possible. Kiana Sean Tees, who manages all of our graphic design and website details. Carolyn Solmes, who keeps the social media and YouTube channels moving. Cole Hoffpower and Monty McWilliams at North Fork Studios for all their production skills. And the Atticus Report is produced by Atticus Records with support from DBM Entertainment. I'm Rick Busby. And I'm Stephen Doster. We thank you again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we go searching for music that's good for something. She's gone. She's gone.